Hey everyone, and welcome to another The Point Forward podcast. I'm here with my pod partner, PJ. What's excited, happening? Excited to bring you another pod. How are you doing, uh-huh. Peach? We're fantastic. Yeah, we're recording first morning pod for us. <laughs> we are just starting to have the coffee, so if we say anything stupid, it's just because I haven't had my coffee yet. And if you, you feel a real burst of energy about 15 minutes into this podcast, you'll <laughs> yeah. have a, a really good understanding why. We're still waking up a little bit, but no, we're uh, excited to talk about this last week and happy early Thanksgiving to all of our listeners out there. Um, it's a great week, not a ton of work to be done, and uh, although it's known for its football, there are some really good, uh, really good NBA matchups this week as well, so let's, uh, let's get it started, PJ. So this last week in NBA action, you know, overall a pretty tame week as far as far as uh you know early season nba goes but uh golden state is finally beginning their, to hit their stride they had three road games against the raptors celtics and bucks and took care of business in all three it looked especially good against the celtics on friday night the raptors as we alluded to last week had a really tough rough a really tough back-to-back against cleveland and golden state Lost both those games, uh, but was able to bounce back and against uh, the Nuggets and OT a few nights ago. Um, and uh, Memphis Grizzlies basketball is really starting to hit their stride as far as playing defense, at least. Holding Dallas to 64 points a few nights ago, and then last nope. night against the Timberwolves, who had the second-highest-rated second, rated, second rated offense in the NBA right now, held them to 71 points. <clears throat> but uh, probably the biggest storyline this week, uh, circling back to Cleveland, was Phil Jackson's comments around LeBron and his business partners and referring to them as his posse, which got everyone up in a tizzy. What was your initial reaction, PJ? Um, well, I mean, I think it was a pretty odd thing. I mean, so at first it, it was definitely kind of seemed out of left field that Phil's taking shots at LeBron. But when you kind of look back, I mean, these two clearly kind of have a, a history and have collided. I mean, the comments from the Jackie McMullen article, I mean, he was – Definitely just, like, I think defending Pat Riley, um, but not using that word and just how he's described LeBron and his group of friends in the past. He's used, he's said posse before, and, I mean, I think he views them and that, that group a specific way, um, and I don't think it's positive. And, you know, from that you just kind of can can tell it's just he's in the, in the comments, I mean, He's mentioning specifically when the Heat would travel to Cleveland and, and LeBron wanting to have to wanting to spend an extra to spend an overnight there and, and kind of what Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra, how they kinda of handled that situation and basically you know, what Phil ends up saying is that, you know, you can't be you know, have the whole team stay back so you can hang out with your mom and your posse 
and spend an extra night in Cleveland, and just that LeBron needed special treatment. Um, and then, I mean, Rachel Nichols had uh, also brought up, and, and a lot of people have been bringing up the quote that Phil used in a book in 2004 where he even refers to LeBron, and he, in that way he's talking about 19-year-old kids playing in the NBA and, and brings it up again and, and uses the word posse and talking about, you know, young men grow so dependent on their posse who, who fetch their cars and their girls they can't possibly develop into mature self-sufficient human beings um, and this is a quote that he started using LeBron as an example so uh, and as we know like every time LeBron's come up in free agency oftentimes it's linked to teams that Phil is associated with at the time and he's not really con- given them much consideration either when Phil was in LA or now that he's running the Knicks. It's um, so I, I think you know that could be part of it, and I think Phil maybe it could be like an ego ego check of some kind that Phil Phil being a guy that's coached MJ Pippen Shaq Kobe. It's right. like oh why would why would LeBron not want to play for me type thing? But I, I think it's just probably how LeBron handles his business and how Phil thinks players should handle their business, it probably conflicts a little. But, uh, yeah, to, at this point, it's what LeBron and his group of friends are and kind of what they've developed into. It's, it is definitely, like, demeaning in, in one way or another that you're kind of talking down about this, this group of men now who are very successful and each in their own way and, even if that start out through LeBron, like they've all done their own thing and have all developed and like have created their own paths in, in, you know, they're successful businessmen now at this point. Like, yeah, there's, there's really no way getting around the fact that using that word and referring to this group with LeBron, who are all extremely successful as a posse, like that cannot be construed in a positive way. Like, no, it's 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 offensive. It like like you said, it's the whole it, relationship and dynamic between Phil and LeBron is very interesting, very much so because of Phil's NBA timeline with coaching so many high profile and egotistical players. And I mean, LeBron, I think he's a lot easier to deal with than any of those guys because you have like a Kobe and MJ that were a lot more intense shoulder the load yep like stay out of my way type of players where lebron has always been all right i need to keep my teammates involved if i'm going to be successful and that's kind of the way the nba is now you have to have at least three guys contributing on a night to night basis if you want to get wins in the in the playoffs at least um but circling back to just his his comments and you know in a silo of it's not okay to say stuff like that. I mean, not well, even reading too much into it. it, and, it it's, was... and it's mainly, too, you have to look at it as, I mean, I think everyone needs to, in the the world, look at it in this way, is that, like, specific words and, and phrasing, like, they carry certain meaning, and the meaning isn't just in the word itself. It's who's saying it. And when you have Phil, who is an executive on an NBA franchise, one of the, in the biggest market in New York, and you have him being a white male, a white guy, saying it about LeBron and his friends who are all black. 
and talking about it and you know when you read these earlier quotes in 2004 and him saying this it's like that all of these guys were just LeBron's boys that were there to get girls and you know run errands for LeBron and like they're they're not successful they're not capable of doing anything on their own or developing you know their their own kind of career that it 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 comes off like really bad I mean, it's just you that's like the one thing because I mean I, I, the word posse itself I don't know and I don't think Phil necessarily was saying it with any sort of racial you know dem- trying to demean anyone racially I, I mean I th- like I mean this comes up a lot but it's like I don't think Phil would be very successful in the NBA if he was a racist right like, exactly that's... I, like but he still has to realize that like that kind of word and just like the subject how he's talking about it and in that way it's it, it definitely comes off as him talk being demeaning and talking down about LeBron's group and, and his friends, his group of friends, and, and just them now being successful businessmen, you know, f- multitude of ways, like, to talk down to them like they're still just LeBron's boys, you know, getting his car or whatever, you know, like, that way, like, just yeah, going it, out, like, it's, it's, it's silly. It's, like, a really <laughs> a, a dumb dumb thing that he said. And just just one more point, and then we can move on to something else because I know we want to talk about some more, uh, a little more optimistic, happier NBA topics here. But uh, it's not really fair to generalize a group of people like that either. I mean, you're pretty much – all right, everyone associated with LeBron James is his posse, and posse naturally has a negative connotation with it. So is the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers (laughs) as a whole the organization – like yeah, like you know, like Phil, like how he phrased that and how he's like talking about it and all these special exceptions. Well, yeah, a lot of the special exceptions that Bron has, they also won a championship from. Like he's had success in doing it his way, and I think it's just probably how Phil looks at how LeBron handles himself and everything. And probably there's just something about it that irks, that obviously irks. Phil and he just can't get over that and he just kind of looks at that group and you know if it ties back to how they handled the, the decision I could see that I mean but they've all kind of come out since then said it was a mistake and you know kind of laid out what their motivations for all that was but yeah I, it's, <laughs> I mean he's just kind of has to I, you would think he would at this point have a better understanding of that but phil's a pretty opinionated guy and hasn't shied away from saying things before and i i mean honestly though i'm not sure still if he really gets like hit how he said that because i haven't really seen him give a formal apology or do it's kind of no he hasn't and lebron has like he has said in the media that he doesn't he's not expecting an apology but i mean phil just I understand that you've won a ton of champions championships, but this is kind of a case of what have you like what have you done lately too? It's just maybe you should just shut up until you're relevant in the NBA again because you haven't you're not even doing anything anyway. You're trying to run this offense that was that really has no relevance to the NBA anymore. No one wants to go run the triangle. This that granted it had success in the '90s and the 2000s with the Lakers and the bulls but you're not even a coach anymore man like just 
be quiet, stay out of the limelight. We, no one really wants to hear what you have to say at this point, especially after these last comments. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things. I think that, yeah, people are always looking to Phil and, and I think Phil obviously considers himself something of a, a smart man and thinks that, you know, when people ask him questions, like they're looking for these deep, like meaningful quotes a lot of the time. I think just like well you know not I mean? anymore yeah no, I, know, I, know. I totally know what you mean yeah. yeah I mean I think like there's a certain thing of like him playing towards his his character and then like in this way he's kind of he's trying to make a bigger societal statement but it's he's using LeBron as the example in a lot of these cases as far as this NBA culture and how players manage them themselves and who, who they keep around him and he just it, it comes off in such a to meaning way i mean like if you're there there's ways he could to say what he was trying to say with and, and defend his, his friend pat riley with without going down that way and kind of making it it about lebron and in the way without, that he did. without coming across as a little racist yeah i think that it could have been handled a, a lot better right let's move let's move on here Peach. though so as i said earlier we have uh, Thanksgiving is this upcoming Thursday. And so I thought that we would do a little Thanksgiving segment and say something in the NBA that we're really thankful for. And I think mine is a very obvious one. It could be a player, team, game, whatever. Uh, we're both going to have players, I think, for this. What'd you say? I, th- I said I think we'll both have – we're going to both stick to players on this segment. Yeah, right I, kind of, I kind of assume. But – So my choice, a player that I'm very thankful for is Russell Westbrook, Um, a guy that we've talked about quite a bit, was really hyped coming into the season, everyone really excited to see what this guy can do without KD, and he has not let us down thus far. And last week I think was his best week yet this season. Uh, They did go 2-1, but they beat Houston at home. Uh, He had... One of the best dunks I've seen this season over the Clint dunk. Capella. It was the dunk of all dunks. It was he he did a two K he did a two K dunk in real life, and if that happened in two K, I would have called you know bullshit on it because it he glided. <laughs> he literally soared. Well, and the best part about it is that the fact that he finished with his left hand too. I mean, he like I don't I mean, think I, he I, thought I, he I know could that do he could that. finish with his left, but I don't think he dunks with his left that often and he just flushed it over Clint Capella. Like he just knew he had no shot. Well, when he goes up to, um, and yeah, I'm just busting into your, your Thanksgiving one. No, 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 no. I've literally been ever, I've literally just been sitting. I just have like waited all, (laughs) all day, like the last three couple days just to burst out about about Russell. It is, was the, I literally, my jaw was dropped. I, had it on replay for about two minutes solid, but he literally, when he goes up, I don't think he even at one point realizes like how high he jumped because I think at first he was going to just do a finger roll. Then he realized that he did just freaking just launch himself. And it's just like, all right, let's, let's, because you're like, you said, like exactly right thing. Like he doesn't dunk with his left hand that often. And like, I think he was going up for a finger roll and it's just soaring. It's like, <laughs> fuck it. Like, Let's go! Like just slams yeah. this thing, and Clint Compella, uh, we were we were joking 
after this, uh, you know, just from like even a fantasy basketball, because you know, Alter and I are in a fantasy basketball league. But uh, for the guy that's got Clint Capella, like, does he or can he? He shouldn't be able to allow to register any more points in fantasy basketball this week. Uh, that's what like no, Mark and I, I were talking I about. It's I mean, like he, so funny. Well, he didn't really try to block him. Like he went up, and then his arms just kind of stayed there because I think he knew he just wasn't going to get there in time. Yeah, I just, I mean, in the moment, like if someone did that to me, I, I would just like, I'd probably would have ducked. Like, I don't know if like I saw a man just like soaring past me, like how I would react. But I don't know if it would have been like how Clint Capella like would have, how he just like he just kind of was there, like he just was. The, in a perfect position, um, you know, he kind of did his own mannequin challenge of defense on <laughs> Russ. He was just there to to be in the, the poster that will eventually come out of that dunk because it was absolutely insane. And, two, when it adds to just, like, the point in the game, it's, it was under, you know, eight seconds left. It's That seals it. Like, that is the the basket that, that seals the game for the Thunder against – against sure. Houston, like, everything about it was just fan-freaking-tastic. But just talking about everything Russ has been doing lately, too, I mean, he's turning the ball over a lot. He's averaging, like, last week he averaged over five turnovers a game. But right. the way that they've been able to use him, you know, if OKC in the regular season can win two of three, three of four each week and play Russ – he averaged playing about 36 minutes a night this week. That's uh, you, you playing your starters 36 minutes. That's okay. Um, they're going to need yeah. him to be fresh enough going into the playoffs because he's going to have to play 42 minutes a night in the playoffs for them to win games. So playing 36 minutes a night, he's shooting above 50% last week. Like right. This is the kind of version of the Thunder that you want to see because they're not going to be able to – have Russ play 40 plus minutes during the regular season. If they did, they'd have a better chance of winning, but I think he breaks down at the end. So Russell Westbrook was amazing last week. He averaged 30, 10 and 10 over the course of the week. That's pretty he's, much what he's been averaging this season. I mean, he's going to, he's, he's really got close to being anywhere. like, he might push to average a triple double. I didn't think well, he was he's going got four. To. He's got four or five now. Yeah. So he's getting about half the games. And he's had a few that he's like, he's capable of putting up 15 assists or 15 rebounds on any given night too. Right. I mean, I think what and I, like what what your thoughts are on as far as the the drop off they're having when he's not in the game, it's like uh, it's sharp. And I don't know if there's anything on that roster right now that can fix that. But like to your point, what like you said, it was really good. Is like what he's playing, like his production, everything is that's kind of the, the constant you want to have. And I think you'll get it every night from him, but I think they have to go somewhere outside to, to bring in something to change up kind of their current dynamic because it's right now. Not, I don't think there's a, a solution or a way to reconfigure their rotation or, or their lineup to, to get more production. And like the mainly that center point of production is like how many, how can you get Victor Oladipo? to to play well on his own without Russ. Right, right. And shout out to Zach Lowe. He wrote about the Thunder this week and talked a lot about them in his podcast. But yep. if they can pick up a wing that they could start 
they could start Roberson and they start another wing it, alongside Russ and then bring Oladipo off the bench and get him more accustomed to playing that way. You could still bring Oladipo for crunch time minutes in the fourth, but if you bring him off the bench, it, it's going to help that second unit so much more because having him in Cantor, they may not be pluses defensively. Those two together can at least put up a lot of points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right. I mean, honestly, of them two, I've really liked. I mean, Robertson, I think, has played very well. I mean, he, I like he's, him. He's been more productive offensively. I mean, like, he's limited. He's got limited ability, but what he's been able to do well, like, I mean, he's. He's a great open defender. Spots. Yeah, but I mean, offensively, he's hasn't been a guy that they've relied on at all. It's kind of been like he's in there for defense, and that's it. Yeah. But uh, he's he's doing a, a much better job, and I think he's a little bit more aggressive this year of getting to some open spots and sure. at least close to the rim to for Russ to dish it off to him. But the other guy, I mean, like that's I. Th- I think he's going to be really good. I mean, we I know we were both pretty high on him out of the draft, but like Sabonis is is doing some nice things hey, offensively. Yeah, he's hey, if he can space the floor, that alone is just going to help Russ a ton. I mean, just I mean, make thirty five percent from three, and he's shooting above that right now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things with with him where he's definitely going to have a kind of a ceiling this year, just with him being a rookie and kind of just the ins and outs of yeah what he can do on the court and, and who else they have. There's kind of a log jam there. But, um, I mean, the minutes he's put in, like, for the most part, like, he's definitely been a positive, I think. That's not looking at any stats or anything. But um, right. just, like, the eye test, he's he's been able to be a, a nice nice addition for him. And, like, that, that's encouraging to see because I, I think when they made that Mbaka trade, we – I know we both, you know, before we had this, like we were both very high on that. We thought it was a, a pretty nice little little trade for them, uh, and that was with the context of like KD being back. But I think Sabonis will end up, which that that would be an interesting thing of all those pieces to look at at some point is like who was the best piece moved in that trade, and maybe it's him. Early, early little prediction there maybe. Yeah, I mean, he well, his game fits really well with the NBA. I'm just he could be a stretch four. Um, he's certainly capable of shooting, but he's athletic, dude. Like, he, he's pretty athletic. He's like quick. Like he's not. Yeah, he like moves a right. Bookie. It's just yeah. If he if he can keep shooting at the clip he's, he's currently at, that's going to help them a ton. It's just I'm not sure what all, what he does for them defensively. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that, but I don't think a ton of. But I don't know if you need out, them. Yeah, no, and not a ton of rookies are going to come in and be plus defenders their right. rookie season. I mean, he's yep. got some time, um, and I don't think anyone really thinks that uh, they're likely OKC is in a position to be making a run at a title this year. But I, I don't even know if there's a trade out there right now that puts them in a position to to do that. Well, I mean, it's like the Rudy Gay one's the only one that's yeah, really that's that's got any legs. But yep, I don't know if that just from a chemistry perspective, I'm not sure if that works. Right, I I know you're yeah. kind of a Rudy Gay hater as well. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, but I mean, he uh, had a pretty bad week, but I I think he could do some nice things for the team. Um, 
he's not an awful defender and it gives you more flexibility <laughs> with your lineups. Yeah. I don't but I don't I don't really like him with the Thunder either though. I three and two wings aren't exactly uh super available in the NBA, so whether or not the Thunder are able to make a trade or not, it'll be interesting to see. But PJ, I'm interested to hear what you're thank what you're thankful for in the NBA. So I'm gonna do a very close to home thankfulness, just because it's so far I've I've yet to spiral out as a Bulls fan. But I'm just thankful for Dwayne Wade. Um, All right, he's uh he's done a lot. I think not just on a perspective of production on the court cuz i i think there's definitely been some limits there but his overall just impact i think via the locker room i think his impact on jimmy this year has been it's been nice um i think he's he's helped set a, the right mentality and as much as him and rondo and everyone was like oh it's jimmy's team i i think he's putting in the kind of having the impact that a hall of fame shooting guard like probably top you'd say top five shooting guard of all time and just being a championship pedigree player like himself the type of you know, non-basketball related things and just general mindset that he's brought to the bulls i think is made that signing already worth it uh and i think how he's taking on Jimmy him and Jimmy are spending a lot of time together I know and kind of hopefully in my personal just as a Bulls fan hope is that he's helping bring Jimmy up and maybe mold him because I think last year a lot of cases that I could spend an entire episode on on where Jimmy faltered <laughs> as being a leader um, and just uh, kind of being the man you know you can say you're the man you can say it's your team you can say you're the leader but there's subtleties and there's different ways that you actually show that and hey turns out calling out your head coach uh may not be a great way of showing nope. leadership nope and i think when you say i work hard and i say we have to do these things and i'm the leader and as you say i'm the leader but everyone no one else in the locker room had viewed you as the leader it's those are two different things and we talked about we talked about words earlier and you know words <laughs> only have so much meaning um, when there's actual context or there's actual something to back that up. So I, I think he's just been a really positive impact on them. And so I'm very thankful for Dwayne Wade. Bulls are 8-5. and five. Um, They're 2-1 and one on this their circus, the circus road trip right now. Um, and like he said before it, he said, you know, if we go 3-3, three and three, we go 500 during this, like that's – that's an you have to chalk that up as a success um i can't say the word success right now success Sorry. yeah i kind of stumbled it's on okay. that our, i'm gonna take our, a sip of coffee for that our, our pronunciation has has been suspect on this pod so far so yeah. we do apologize but yeah pj i uh i don't blame you for being thankful for what d wade has brought to the bulls and a lot of it isn't even from uh <clears throat> like what he's actually able to contribute on the court. It's just this overall right. fit with the team. Well, he's doing well. I mean, like, oh, he's not, I, well on the I'm court. not, no, like, I'm not trying wanna... to, I'm not saying that he hasn't played well this season because he has. He, I think he's played better than, like, he just looks really good. I mean, yeah. You had a few, you had times, even when he was with LeBron on the Miami Heat, that 
especially when they made the finals and ended up losing to the Spurs in, I think, five. He was just he looked broken down in that series. He Whoa, just wasn't the yeah. old explosive Dwayne Wade, and he looks really refreshed now. But what yeah, I was going to say I mean, was that – go ahead. Well, I was just going to say with the like his body, I think the the impact LeBron had on Miami kind of to show Dwayne Wade the um, – because I think, I mean, LeBron, I think you arguably say is the best physical specimen in the NBA. And I think he does a lot, a lot of work on his body and, and off the court. And I think Dwayne Wade lacked that for a little while. And I think being around LeBron and that influence, because, I mean, there's not a day that Le- Dwayne Wade is not – I mean, he's got a lot of business ventures. He's doing a lot of meetings and different things. Like, every day that dude is doing something. Um, but, like, the amount of – and if you just follow Snapchat, you'll see it all. Like – the work he's doing uh, every day um, and just whether it's working out um, just the way he's like taking care of his body uh, with different treatments and things like he's doing something every day and is being is very proactive in that at this point and I think it's uh, I'm sure it was a realization from that exact season you're talking about I think that was kind of the turning point where he kind of saw that amount of work and what he needed to do to be able to last a full season and, and to go longer than I think maybe his career was projected to go originally. Right, but what I was going to say was that <laughs> the, circling back here, circling back, uh, the the Bulls went from having Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah, who both were, you know, D Rose won the MVP. Joakim Noah was what finished top five in MVP voting one year two superstars at one time that because of injuries, their games just really faltered. And with D Rose, a a few other things that kind of created some controversy with him in Chicago. And you switch those guys out with sure. Rondo has some baggage, but he came from a, from a winning pedigree being with the Celtics, playing with the big three there, winning a championship. And then also you get D Wade who has been a superstar. He's a Hall of Famer from Miami. He's won four championships. He's three, like, three championships. Sorry, three. he's uh, like he, there's just a lot more positivity. He's from Chicago. He could pair with Jimmy, and ever, from everything we've seen, those two have just been they've meshed really well. Like there hasn't yeah. been a chemistry issue on the Bulls. They had a rough loss yeah. last night after blowing a lead to the Clippers, but the Clippers have. Ben will get to them here in a little bit. They've been the best team in the NBA thus far this season. And uh, also, did you see? Uh, did you see the Instagram post Jimmy Graham or Jimmy Butler and DeAndre Jordan sent to each other before the game? Because you should look that up if you haven't. I'll look it up as I finish this. We'll, we'll wrap up this little Dwayne Wade love fest here. But I mean. I think the the last thing I just wanted to say about it was, um, you know, going into this, you know, them bringing in both Rondo and and uh, D Wade, I was kind of you know nervous about it. That didn't really make a ton of sense, uh, just from you look at what Fred's offense and what he's trying to accomplish. Uh, but the uh, the fact that when you look at the impact, and I think Rondo at this point, I'm still quite kind of questioning whether or not he should be on this team or what his like real contribution's been. I'm 
a little neutral on it more than I probably was the first week and a half of it. Uh, but yeah, like when you, but just on Dwayne Wade as a whole, you know, him maybe not having the right motivation to come here at first was a, a big concern of mine just because I think he wanted to get a little bit more money. I think it was like some of that. I think it was ego was hurt. So it was like, is this dude just going to come in here and make it all about himself? And he's just going to kind of turn this into the Dwayne Wade show, or is he actually going to have some investment and some, you know, desire to actually have, be a positive impact on this, this franchise, not just, right. you know, on himself and use this as a way. And I, I think it's been, Good in a multitude of ways, but I'm looking at this now. Um, this is pretty, pretty great. <laughs> yeah, um, if you did, if you didn't see those Instagram posts, go check it out because Jimmy Butler bald is something to see. Dude, the the Jimmy one's real bad, and I know Jimmy's like super superficial. Like he like cares about his looks and like all that a lot. I'm trying. Who posted it first? Do you know? Who started I th- it? I think Jimmy started it yeah, with that's... The, the DeAndre post, which, by the way, DeAndre Jordan looks like the cutest little kid ever. Yeah, I was just <laughs> really about to say funny. that. Yeah, <laughs> he like it's a funny picture, but oh, like it's, it's great. But like, I mean, and this is this is another thing you can go to Jimmy Butler about is not knowing you know the exact waters you're you're swimming in. I think DeAndre Jordan's a, probably a little bit more creative and a little. Uh, <laughs> it's easy. I don't think you're gonna be able to out shit talk DeAndre Jordan. Uh, and Jimmy's well, and, just kind of a goob at points, and like, and I'm sure DeAndre's been hanging out with Blake Griffin at UCB in Los Angeles. Like, he probably knows the comedy scene a little bit more. He's done funnier die sketches. He's a funny dude. Don't mess with him. Oh yeah, DeAndre's yeah. But I mean, too. I think. Well, well, Jimmy was talking like a ton of shit like earlier. He was like when they were just talking about USA basketball. And, like, Jimmy's thing was carrying a football around with him at all times, which I was like, all right, dude, like, where are you in, on spring break in middle school? Yeah, like, what just, the like, hell? Walked, like, he said he walked around everywhere with a football and, like, was just playing catch. And he's done that at Bulls practice a couple times now. It's, like, kind of weird. But like, at points, I think he was saying how he was, like, the best wide receiver of the group and, like, was giving DeAndre and I think DeMarcus both like some shit for like not being very good at catching a football. <laughs> like that's actually surprising. You'd think that their hands are just so huge they could just palm that bad boy. Be like but. a nerf nerf basket. It'd be like a nerf ball to them, but yeah, I don't it's like it was it's like it was just kind of fun. It's so like but yeah, that Jimmy Butler picture is so bad. I'm just it's like weird. I can't stop looking at it. It's weird, but w- w- listeners go check that out. Let's move on to Ball Don't Lie. So we have two different Ball Don't Lie so, or topics to discuss this week. Uh, the first one is the Clippers. And just to remind people of this segment, so Ball Don't Lie, is this going to continue or is this going to regress towards the mean and the Clippers are going to be the average Clippers teams of the past? Um, the Clippers are 12-2, and two, first in the Western Conference, Golden State second at 11-2. and two. Uh, They played extremely well. Both their starting unit Bull and their bench have been really impressive this season. Um, I don't know, PJ. What are your What are your thoughts to the Clippers? Have you been able to watch them much this season? Yep. Who? What players have stuck out to you? They've kind of they kind of had the season from hell last year. I'm they've had a few seasons from. I mean, yeah. I like last year was the lowest of the low points, but they've always had 
these moments where like just something goes wrong for them uh and they just like haven't been able to get in a groove i'm and i've like you i i've been high on the clippers for a while i years in the past i thought you know before this warriors thing really got rolling like that they were the best team in the west uh just because of the guys they have on their team and uh to their, their philosophy i mean they're they they can turn it up on defense but they've always just had something go a little wrong with them or just something funky and they've never been able to find a, a fifth dude to, to, for that starting lineup they've, it's kind of been a, a long rotation of guys but I think the two things this year that have stuck out and it's kind of the difference from years past is one their their bench has been a, a positive I mean it's 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 kept them in games uh, when you look at that that unit and what they're able to do um, as far as a bench unit goes it's they're not necessarily taking over again but it's like when the starters come out basically what a bench is supposed to do and this is exactly what the Clippers bench is doing is you know ride that wave keep the game close yeah try, try to be as close yeah. to zero and plus minus yep. as you can yeah or, or be a positive yeah I mean you just don't want to have a negative uh, production from that that unit and they haven't they've like and they've actually been a positive in a lot of games but the the second thing would be how they're using Blake this year and you're seeing which is something a lot of people have kind of pushed for and and pressed Doc on a little bit is is why in years past they haven't let Blake have the ball in his hand a little bit more I mean and that's one one aspect of Blake's game he's really developed. Or I mean, he's probably of power forwards, like top one of the best guys as far as handles go. I mean, he's he's got a very good ball control, and just letting him a really create, good passer too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, but they used to kind of run him as like off off screen roll off of some secondary action that. And basically, then like rely on CP to find him and get him the ball, but this year they're letting him handle the ball and, and create some offense on his own. And because of that, I, I think that adds a, a nice dimension to this this thing where now you kind of can let CP be a spot up shooter at points. You can let Blake go do these little ISO sets on, especially when there's the, the matchup that calls for it. Like, that's what a lot of people have said before is, like, you know, look at who's guarding Blake, give that dude the ball, and let's just go. Like, let him take over for spurts and not really be this kind of just pick and roll yeah, they, player. Yeah, they, they've changed a ton. I mean, think back a few years ago and when you thought Blake Griffin and the Clippers, it was Lob City. It was mm-hmm. pick and roll with Blake Griffin, pick and roll with DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul would lob it up to one of those guys or kick it out to J.J. Redick and shoot a three, but that was their team. And now it's a mix of CP3, but playing him less minutes. Uh, Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan are averaging just over 30 minutes a game. So that's very like that's a great trend for the rest of the year. If, they can, if you're playing those two guys 30-ish minutes a game, they're going to be fresh going into the playoffs, which is exactly mm-hmm. what they need. And uh, as far as Blake goes, they can intersperse and have him play essentially some point forward. <laughs> Little, yep. uh, and he uh, 
he has been really successful doing that because he makes really good decisions with the basketball. He doesn't turn the ball over. He hasn't extended his game out to the three-point line like a lot of people thought he would this season. He's taking about one a game, and he's shooting pretty abysmally from out there. But yeah. uh, they have enough shooting through the rest of the team that, that doesn't, that's not a huge concern, at least from my standpoint. Um, so I, I, I think that they will... They may not end up being the number one team in the Western Conference. If they're not number one, I think they're going to be number two. Uh, I don't. I think that they're either they will end up winning more games than either the Warriors or the Spurs. Uh, they just look really good right now. Yeah, I mean they've. And yeah, just the last point with with Blake has been that. I mean, wait, before he got hurt, so two years ago, I mean, he was there. Were, there were spurts, especially in the playoffs, where I mean, he was the best player on the court. Uh, and it just I, I feel like they've always they've struggled in, in ways of just making it the offense more geared towards him and, and doing more to get him production because of just his ability though he, he's always been the one of that group that I feel like has been diminished the most of just his overall impact so their ability this year to utilize that more I think is has definitely been a, a big key for them and um but i think what it comes down to more than anything with this team is just who's going to be the healthiest like and of this group that the clippers have struggled of some of these western conference teams with ability to be healthy and i i think when it comes back to looking at them in a playoff scenario they've had a lot of success in, in spurts where i mean they beat the spurs they and of all the teams in the West, I think the one thing you can make the biggest argument out for them is look at how they play the Warriors. And Chris Paul probably just defends Steph the best of, of any of the guards in the West. Uh, he's very physical, uh, probably questionable of you know if he's a little too aggressive and maybe gets some some calls on his end that you know probably should get some fouls here or there, but. Uh, He's tough as all hell and, and just really works stuff. And I think that's a a factor going into a playoff series if you look at, all right, if depending on where they shape up, I, I think at this point they've established they're going to end up being a top three. Uh, but they've, they've proven that they can play with the Spurs and the Warriors. And there's other situations. I think when you look at the other teams in the West, there's always some matchup problems, but the Clippers as a whole, they're the, I think, best set up to play both the take the Warriors and the Spurs on if for some reason they were a two seed. Um, but I think for them more than any team, like they're gonna want that one that one seed uh, in the West. I think that that may have been, and obviously I think for a lot of teams it's it's a goal is to be you know, have home home court and everything, but. For them, especially this year, and what they're trying to set up, I, I think the the start they're having is it's legit, and I think they'll definitely be able to sustain it. But it just comes down to that health, obviously, and that's you know for a lot of teams you can say that too. Right. I another thing too with them, and, and then we'll move on, is that they've always had chemistry concerns, and I feel like it's that's hasn't been an issue this year. They've you've seen like a lot of shoulder shrugging and a lot of um 
physical signs on the court of whenever they've been down in games, which hasn't been often this year. I think part of that has to do with the fact that they're blowing everybody out. But they just they seem to be getting along. Their core group has stayed intact. It'll I'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do with JJ Redick because I believe he's a free agent after the season. But and Blake and Blake, and CP's got an option, I think. Yeah. So this team. This is a big year for them because if they can't show that they're capable of getting, you know, at least making a run at an NBA championship or getting to the finals, then it's almost time to break it up. But I like this team. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I guess chemistry wise, I never have factored that in much. I think that's kind of been more just like a talking head topic to bring up. Uh, shout out to us being semi professional talking heads. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think that group's been through a lot together. And, you know, I, I think that's it's kind of one of those things where it's just like when you're around a, a group of guys for that that long. I mean, I'm sure some of the th- ways they act around each other on the court kind of could give that impression. But I don't think there's really as much ill feelings towards each other or there's, there really are any deep chemistry problems. I think it's just like professionals and their personalities and how they kind of communicate to one another and i think chris paul more than anything can be very (laughs) very emotional i think he can a lot of times like i I like that out of him though yeah i mean he'll just he'll drop some mfers and call you an mfer (laughs) and like just like yeah tell you how it is like he's he's not gonna put up oh yeah he's just so he's so competitive like he'll He'll tell you exactly what's on his mind, and I think some of the other <laughs> guys on the court probably some of the other guys in the Clippers aren't necessarily as aggressive like that. But um, no, I think that the Clippers are are going to be all right. It's it's cool. It's kind of like a reward for, and hopefully, I mean, yeah, as it continues, it's a a nice little culmination of what a lot of people thought this team could be. And me being one of those people, I'm going to continue to root for it pretty hard right so our other ball don't lie is well it came up i was looking at through some just nba stats from this year and one that really stuck out to me was the fact that hassan whiteside is currently averaging more than 16 rebounds a game and my first thought was wow i can't remember the last time that happened and turns out it was you didn't remember it i i didn't and it was 20 years ago it was yeah. the 96-97 season. Dennis Rodman, you know, when Dennis Rodman played, he did it on the reg, but it hasn't happened in the NBA for a really long time. Do you think that's sustainable? Uh, I'd say probably. Um, I mean, this Miami's, I mean, Miami's going to be throwing up a lot of bricks. That was my initial yeah. reaction, so I thought that yeah, maybe I, it was. I mean, Hassan's got – has kind of been one of those, those guys the last couple of years that have – put up these really funky wild um very large uh, amount of you know big man stats and you look at like rebound blocks field goal all this like yeah i i wouldn't be surprised with he kept that up i mean there's there's not much on this the heat that i think will change that i think their kind of their style of play this year (laughs) will uh definitely allow that that average to continue but um so yeah i i i don't see any reason why why i couldn't continue and i but i don't really know what it means either 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. I, I probably not. I just thought it was an interesting little tidbit, and I, I agree with you. I, it's definitely possible. Uh, it's kind of, <clears throat> it's a matter of like a lot of rebounding is just wanting to get the ball more than the other guy. I mean, a part of it's positioning too, but at least offensive rebounding, you really got to be making that effort. Hassan has not always been the most inspired player, so it, I'm not sure if he's going to be uh, wanting to get 16 rebounds a game the rest of the year, and uh, they're not, I think, pushing to make the playoffs this year. I think they would be pretty content with getting a, a high draft pick, but who knows? I mean, maybe Pat Riley will, will make a deal or something. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's very achievable. I never – if you would have – asked me three years ago if I thought a guy named Hassan Whiteside would be averaging 16 points a game and he'd yeah. been in the league for five or six years bouncing around the D league. It's just amazing to me how mm. far he's come because uh, he's playing really well this year. I mean, he's like the silver lining on that team. And he's part of my, which we'll have to at some point really delve into at a later date is the, my NBA recl- reclamation project theory that uh, I've been sitting on for a, about a year now that I've wanted to let loose. So we'll, <clears throat> a little tease for an episode to come for all, all, you, all you listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll have to do yeah, – I'll we'll save that because I know that you want to talk about that for longer than five or ten minutes, and we gotta, yep. we got to start wrapping Wrap up, up here soon. But uh, our, our next segment, I want to talk about Drew Holiday because he finally came back. Uh, after spending some time with his wife, um, I'm sorry. You you said he, he's he's back. I think he's back. I, is he? Are we? Yeah. Are, are we sure he's back. back? I'm thinking are, he's back. You you think he's back, or he is back? People he's back. Asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> oh, okay. So, I I think I think. I think Drew Holiday's. Yeah, I think he's back. All right. Well, now that we have John Wick to weigh in on it, <clears throat> Drew Holiday's back. The Pelicans are two and zero since Wick him returning. Of the week. <laughs> he is. He went off for twenty two and nine and twenty one and seven, and those were in limited minutes in his two games back. Uh, turns out, having an above average point guard to play along with Anthony Davis puts you in a much better position to win. They beat the Hornets in OT last night. They. This team may be scary now. I don't know. I mean, we mm. bet we it, too early to say, but they we had a little bet on the under for the Pelicans going this year, and that looked really good. And now this makes me a little nervous. See, uh, I, I mean, I think they're still pretty bad. I, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think what you said though about the difference between a below average NBA point guard and a slightly above average the difference it makes on a team is no like, shots no shots fired at tim frazier i like tim frazier but oh okay well you can party of one for the tim frazier fan club I, oh geez he's all right I think he's i think he's pretty trash uh, <laughs> uh he does yeah anyway now that not I as a starter yeah uh, anyway that's that's that was enough for tim <laughs> frazier talk for okay. the year but uh, yeah, I mean, I Drew's like a nice, nice NBA point guard, um, and I think you needed someone else that could create something that resembled an offense. 
uh, for for the Pelicans. Um, so no, I think it's like, yeah, what they were doing before and just like yeah, having a very serviceable, solid point guard makes a big difference, and it's good to see him be able to come in and and just right off the bat contribute and and show, you know, hey, this is this is what a real real NBA point guard looks like. It's almost like uh, if you did a football comparison, like people shit on Jay Cutler, but, you know, the difference between him and, I'll just say it, Brian Hoyer, like, there is a there is a difference, like, even if you don't see it every night, it's like, when it's not there, you don't really notice it, but when it comes back, you're like, oh, yeah, like, there is a difference, like, not, and you can't just stick any schmuck in that point guard and, and do well. All right, like you said, we've talked enough about Tim Frazier for this year. That's enough Bears quarterback talk for this year, too, okay? All right. Fair point, fair comparison in it, but back to Drew Holiday. I'm glad he's back. Uh, It's, you know, I do not blame him whatsoever for wanting to spend time with his wife. I believe she had a brain tumor. I think everything is – I think she's stabilized. I think she's doing better. Um, You know, great for the holiday family i'm glad to hear that it's good that drew holiday is not coming back from an injury and he's coming back from just some time off because by all by all indications he's in shape he looks good and i'm sure just i don't know having everything that's been happening with his wife kind of in the rearview mirror at least for the time being i'm sure that being on the basketball court is kind of a therapeutic for him and yeah he's playing super well to start yeah and i think you've got to you know take care of your family and all that before you can you know be a productive professional you know if yeah you're, if you're thinking about all of those those problems and those health concerns and i like you're not gonna be able to give your 100 percent effort or yeah you'll be able to really and it's a human thing so yeah in any profession nice. if you have someone that you care about that's going through something like that how are you supposed to focus and perform you're not at your best so yeah and i think it's it's good kudos to the pelicans and everyone for for being supportive of that and, and letting drew be able to take care of his family so it's nice to see absolutely so uh so let's move on from our john wick shout out of the week um and move into our in and outs of the week and mine is very much so thanksgiving themed and I think yours yep. may have some Thanksgiving thrown in there as well. PJ, what are what are you in and out on this week? Uh, so, yeah, I'm just in on Thanksgiving as a whole. I'm a big Thanksgiving guy. What's not big to be guy, in on? Big, big Thanksgiving guy all, all the way around. There's uh, just not a negative about it. I think it's, uh, in my opinion, it's the best holiday of them all. Just everything that goes around it it's is pretty uh, great. fantastic. I, yeah, I mean... I'd like someone to tell me a, a negative about Thanksgiving because, in my opinion, it's like, oh, you don't, maybe you don't like spending time with every member of your particular family. Here's what I say: eat a little bit more turkey, gives you an excuse to take a nap, then you don't have to talk to anyone. Or you eat a bunch of awesome food, you get to watch football all day, and uh, yeah, eat more food. Like you're literally your one goal is to consume as much delicious food as possible, and then at that point. If you've done that, you've had a successful day. See, Thanksgiving's definitely a top three for me. I don't know if I'd have it at number one. I really like Christmas. I really like Fourth of July. But Thanksgiving's great. Yeah. I'm huge, huge on Thanksgiving. What's your All favorite kind of pie? Uh, 
see, I dabble in them all, and like, I mean, I think for Thanksgiving specifically, I think you have to wet your toes in the the pumpkin pie. I don't. Okay. I I think you know it depends on you know each each time, but I mean, I'll I'll mess with all all the pies. All right. But I think for Thanksgiving, if you had you know gun to my head, you got to go pumpkin for for the dessert. But um, then uh, do you want to do your in or? Yeah, sure. So okay. mine, I'm strictly sticking yeah. to Thanksgiving. And I like this foods. in a lot. So um, my favorite, and I'm very much so like my Thanksgiving meal is I'm trying to kind of mix a lot of the things together. So stuffing with turkey and maybe mm. with some corn and stuff with it, pour some gravy on everything. But uh, the one thing <laughs> that I really need to complement everything else is green bean casserole. So that is what I'm Dude. in on this week. Dude. I don't love green so beans, good. but green bean casseroles, like, I hate it when the I was best. a kid. It is the oh. best now. I've been at day one. The green bean casserole, and uh, I, I just went Thanksgiving as a whole, but green bean casserole is my hands down is the best best part that's my favorite dish as well so i'm glad good you choice agree. but what good are what fucking are you choice <laughs> what are you out on uh so we talked about this a few weeks ago um but i'm out on the mannequin challenge <laughs> i kind of was like never really i mean i think even my response when we first talked about it i was like uh it's like it's a thing i thought it'd go away hasn't it's gone not away going yet away. It's not going away. I literally watched a group of people last night at a bar spend 45 minutes of their night trying to do one 10-second Snapchat of a mannequin challenge. And from that alone, I said, holy shit, this thing is sucks. Like, let's get it out of here. And um, so, yeah, we're looking for ways to end the mannequin challenge. Um, I also don't want the uh, Andes coming challenge to start either whatever you've seen that where uh, yeah yeah i've i saw that so explain what that is in case so so the andy challenge is simply a rip from the toy story where people are doing any activity that you would do just just name an activity and then it's like andy's coming and everyone drops to the floor and acts like they're motionless kind of like how toy story where andy was coming and it's also not that great, and I want that one not to replace it. I think it's just you know let's let's move on. Let's let's sit, hunker down this holiday, and and wait for a new fad to come in uh, 2017. But so I have two two things to say about the mannequin challenge and the Andy challenge or whatever that second one's called. One, I still think the mannequin challenge is cool mm. when you can see the finished product. I personally would never want to spend that much time trying to synchronize everything and have like plan it out and make it look cool. Cause like SNL did one uh, to promote the episode last night and it was really funny. Uh, some of them are really well done. I kind of like the song Black Beatles, so I don't mind listening to that. I don't really have a problem with the mannequin challenge. Black Beatles is, it, yeah, I like the song. Um, I try to watch most of the mannequin challenges silent like i'll just turn the audio off because i don't want to associate the two together so much because yeah i like the song but i think if i just that's like was the early thing i did i was like all right we're just gonna mute these because i don't want to be sick of mannequin challenges and be sick of the black beetles but um yeah so 
if we could we can nix that real quick here that'd be great america uh. but my second my second thing though with the andy's challenge i think that one's really dumb because that's not actually what happens at toy store andy doesn't come in and see all the toys falling if andy came in and saw all the toys falling he'd be like what the fuck well my no toys were just up and doing stuff well i don't think it's he sees it but it's like they're just doing their thing, and that's no. Like, I I I get I understand that, but I'm just saying that Andy would never like the person filming is essentially Andy. Mm, no, I, I get the Andy. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's not. No. If you look at hey Toy man, Story, like, I'm there's trying a to scene. agree. I'm trying there's to agree with you here, saying that it's shitty, and I don't agree with it. I just want to know, and I still like because I don't know if like these fads ever like the direct source. Um, is ever revealed for like who was the first to do this or like I've never gone into any of these fads like that much to find out the exact origin of them but I like to think it's just like a group of, of people who are just like alright how do we make the internet a little shittier annoying alright this way this way like it's just like a lab it's yeah I just it's a government it's a government agency that's just doing this to the Andy one is just not that entertaining. I I, I don't think it was that great. I don't either. think either of them were. I mean, it's like you. It's a something. It just it. I think it just got so much burnout. Like it's just they all look the same after a while. Like there's nothing right. that makes one stand out over the other. But so my out is also like I said Thanksgiving related. I'm out on cranberry sauce. Yep. So people are nope. all about it. They put it on mm. the turkey rolls, everything as kind of a complimentary dish with their Thanksgiving meal. I'm not a fan. I don't really put it on anything. I don't think it really adds much. Like it definitely adds flavor, but it's not good. I'm, I'm out on cranberry sauce, not into it. So my theory on cranberry sauce is that at one point, like people used it, but then like, they're like just better options or like the, the food quality itself just became better for everyone at Thanksgiving. So, but like it just has been like the staple of a Thanksgiving experience, and there's like I'll, I'll legitimately do track this is like when that cranberry sauce is put out, like who's actually touching that? And the only people in my family that do are my grandparents at points. So and you're they're... watching everyone to see if they take some or not. Yeah, because I always forget. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's like one of those things like you don't think about until like maybe a week before Thanksgiving. Then on the right. day of, you know, obviously everyone's thinking about this. It's like, oh, who's in on cranberry sauce? Because I don't think anyone is. And then I, so I'm like trying to remember who of my family is cranberry sauce, you know, participants. And no one will touch it except my grandparents. And it's like, they'll do it as like almost like, a, oh, right, we have cranberry sauce. Eh, could you pass that? Like, because it's like, they just don't want it to like be completely wasteful. But I think if someone was like, oh, sorry, I forgot the cranberry sauce, people would be like, oh, I didn't even notice it wasn't here. Like right. it's just like it's it's one of those things that has just loomed over Thanksgiving and yeah. You know what, Ultra? We should we should start a movement to to remove it. Just make it illegal. Can't not illegal. It does not. You, if you really want it, I'm not gonna stop you. But I think we should start the the Thanksgiving cultural movement that your Thanksgiving does not need cranberry sauce present to make it the the right Thanksgiving experience. Well, you know, I already agree with that, but we got to wrap it up I, here. I PJ. took you over we'll, here out. We'll, we'll start. We'll start scheming our cranberry sauce uh, 
I don't know what you want to call revolution. it. Revolution. Revolution. Anti-cranberry sauce revolution here after the pod. But um, maybe we can start another podcast about cranberry sauce. Who knows? But Ooh. back to NBA stuff. So some other great games this week. Celtics play at the T-Wolves on Monday. Raptors at Clippers on Monday. OKC visits the Lakers on Tuesday. Spurs at Hornets on Wednesday. Uh, Portland plays at Cleveland. Raptors play the Rockets, so a ton of really good games on Wednesday as well. Mm. T-Wolves play at Pelicans. You get a little Cat v. Anthony Davis action. Um, Golden State goes back to Staples Center on Friday. Should be a good slate this week. Absolutely. I uh, don't see any problem with any of it. It's uh, So in between watching football, make sure you get some NBA uh, viewership in there, but... Um, as always, thank you to everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Please rate us on iTunes and or Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, check out our website at www.thepointforwardmba.com. Check us out on Twitter at The Point Forward or PJ and I at Foolish Killa or at Ultra Jacobs. PJ, any last words, man? No, just happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Have a good week. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Thanks. Thanks.